Coming up on this week's show, we talk about Chris Chibnall trying to find a replacement for a Doctor Who showrunner. Jodie Whittaker talks about what it's like leaving Doctor Who, and also a lot of news on the first two episodes of Doctor Who series 13. I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterberus. I hope he is a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Don't See Watch Live podcast. It's me, Tim Saxby. I, it looks like I'm hosting this one because, oh, Wigglehow is here and it's not very well. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a tad under the weather. Uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, it ain't what it is normally. COVID? Oh, no, definitely not COVID. Cold. Did you do a lateral flow test before you came to my house? Um, I know it's cold, Tim. I've had a runny nose. Anything else? Was anything else runny? Um, my feet. I'm always running. <laughs> We've got a lot of, uh, uh, what you call it, Doctor Who news this week, Harry. Um, some of it I'm looking at here I'm just going to skip because it's not that interesting um, but let's start with Doctor Who Flux because there's a lot of information come out about episode 1 and episode 2, are you familiar? Uh, we've got the titles right. We've, so episode 1 will be called the Halloween Apocalypse we've got a, a little synopsis as well if you're interested. Yes I am Would you like, to, could, do you think you could read it in the voice of Ringo Starr? No. Okay <laughs> On Halloween, all across the universe, terrifying forces are staring from the Arctic Circle to deep space. An ancient evil is breaking free. And in present-day Liverpool, the life of Dan Lewis is about to change forever. Why is the Doctor on the trail for the fearsome Cavastrine? K-A-R-V-A-N-I-S-T-A. Can I see the word? There. Carvanista. Carvinista, and what is the flux? Now, the Carvinista, Harry, is that big dog thing that looks like Chewbacca. Oh, the Chewbacca guy. Yeah, that's the... So is that like a race? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll find out on Halloween. It looks like he's some sort of hunter, though, from what I've seen. Have you seen the promo picture yes, I of have. Dan in a, in a cage? I've not seen him in the cage. I saw the one of Dan like this. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for the record, Harry did, like, a thumbs. Yeah, like, there's, like, a group of people, and Dan's like, hey, it's me. Yeah, it's me. Good old John Bishop. Did you see the clip that got released as well? Is it a clip released? Yeah, I'll show you. It's quite good. It's, it's actually very funny. Um, but it's not very funny. It's humorous. Um, I may or may not chuckle. <laughs> and Tim is now searching for the clip. It's called First Look Clip. It's a one minute, 16 seconds long. Don't be throwing eggs at my house. There you go, Harry. What did you think to that little clip that they decided to release on the one show? It, it did make me smile and uh, release air from my nose. It's making me look forward to John Bishop in it, though, because I won't lie, I was slightly apprehensive about him. Yeah. But he does seem like he's going to be a good, fun character. Yeah, I have no idea how he's going to actually fit into things. No, but... it looks like it's going to be good. No, I'm on board. So that's, Whatever it is. Yeah, that's the Halloween apocalypse. What are your thoughts on the title? 
Um, it's, cool it's, it's a very bold title, isn't it? Yeah. And it is, I think this is the first time we've had an explicitly Halloween episode from Doctor Who, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we've seen some stills. Am I correct in saying that the Weeping Angels? Yes, well, this episode? is what I was going to talk about, because last night at midnight, uh, they released four photographs. Uh, one was of Jodie going, oh, like doing a little prayer. Yeah. Um, and there was one of the TARDIS exploding. I think one might have been of the dog. And another one was of a woman with a weeping angel behind her. Hmm. I didn't know they were going to be in that episode. Well, apparently they are. I feel I, like it, it won't be maybe a Bridgewater-centric. I feel like it might, there might be maybe an all-star cast of like teasing what's to come this series. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. So are you going to be watching it Halloween night? Well, yeah, this is what I was going to say. Because I was going to save this, but I'll say it now in front of you and the listeners. Is on Sunday when it airs, um, myself and Harrison, who also do the podcast, were hoping, fingers crossed, to do a YouTube live stream where you can watch us watching Doctor Who. I'm working Halloween. That's that's why we you were asked. Yeah. Uh, w- sorry, it wasn't a dis- direct application for you to watch us. I was talking to the listeners. Oh. Perhaps if you're watching Doctor I... Who on your own and you want to watch it with other people... Put us on in the background and we'll watch it with you. We'll say what we think and have a chat. Oh, cool. And then you like upload that onto the uh Yeah, channel. I think so, yeah. Okay, so that and that's kind of what we'll do until um we forget. We do the watch on. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's fair. That's I mean, fair. if you want to come for episode two, which is called The War of the Sontarans. Yes, we know that the Sontarans will definitely be the focus of episode two. And that one looks very good. It looks like it's some sort of civil war between actual human being people and Sontarans. Sontarans. Yeah, that's what my mum calls them. No matter how many times I correct her, Sontarans. It's actually Sontarans. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. So we're both from. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I like the new design. We don't know much about the episode. They look hella cool. They look... mm? They look hella cool. Okay, cool. Oh, hello there. You caught me in my local public library. I was just catching up on some of the mail and feedback we've been getting from some of our listeners. Let me read this one to you. You guys are great to listen to. Love this reaction. Can't wait for RTD2. That's from James. We always love getting your mail, so keep sending it across in the comments, Twitter, and on Instagram or even on our email. Um, they do be dressing. Yeah, and it looks good. And I saw a lot of debate online of people saying, are they still going to go Santa hat? Is that That's from a new, the Russell? Yeah. yeah okay. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. Do the Cybermen don't still go delete? They don't, do they? And no. I can't work out if the Cybermen used to say delete in the classic. I don't think they did. I believe Russell introduced delete as kind of an alternative to exterminate. I feel like, I feel like you know... The Daleks have exterminate, so the Cybermen have delete, and the Sontarans have Sontarha. Um, what do the Weeping Angels have? Um, Woo, it says the Weeping Angels! I, no, what shit, motherfuckers? That's up for Tribble to the side. <laughs> Sorry? That's up for Tribble to the side. Is it? What if he does make him speak? <laughs> um, talking of um, Chris Chibnall, maybe, actually, maybe not. He's talked about the new, the new monsters that are coming. Um, in this series of Doctor Who. The Ravages. Um, it says, the angels are back. Oh, this is Mandip Gill. The angels are back. And how's Mandip Gill speaking on a Zoom to assemble, to assembled pressed. Gill and John Bishop, who respectively play companions, Yas and Dan, swap their memories of filming with the angels. Trying not to blink in the freezing cold was so difficult, wasn't it? 
Gill asks Bishop, who jerks about the hard hardship of keeping his eyes open with tears streaming down his face. I mean, they can cut, they don't have to keep their eyes open the whole time they're on set. Like, surely, like, I mean, how long are they holding the camera on these guys so they have to have their eyes open for the whole thing? That would be, yeah. Um, either of these creatures, uh, hang on, I'm just skipping through here uh, to find some cool Chibnall quotes. Uh, a particular character that I think is a bit more psychologically terrifying for the doctor looking to Jodie Whittaker for confirmation. He receives a nod. Perhaps that character is involved in a series 13 plotline <laughs> that focuses the doctor, that forces the doctor, quote, to face up to secrets from her own past as teased in promotional material. I don't know which other monsters were allowed to say, Whitaker asked Chibnall, who jerkily replied, It's my last series, Jody. I don't care. <laughs> So he comes up with the ideas of creatures. Chibnall explained, sometimes it's an image, sometimes it's an idea about something that's going to be friendly to the Doctor or scary to kids. And sometimes, by the looks of it, it's RuPaul's Drag Race and Star Wars. And then there's a couple of hyperlinks there. Basically, like, Chibnall likes watching Star Wars and RuPaul late at night and he falls asleep and has scary, scary dreams. dreams. Or maybe maybe Moffat and Russell hide under his bed and set, and, and Moffat whispers things like, "What if coat hangers were scary?" Yeah, <laughs> I've often tried to think of Doctor think up Doctor Who monsters, and it's a very little success. Yeah. Do you often think how can you just make something scary? And I'm asking Moffat. That seems to be his whole thing. He does. He just makes the everyday scary. Like well, he kind of thinks of like what scared you as kids, and he's like, "How how can I make that scary?" Vegetables. Again? Ooh. <laughs> We're not that if in series 14, Stephen Moffat's going to pen the opposite episode, Wrath of the Broccoli Monster. <laughs> um, Jodie Whittaker has. Oh, do, you want to, do you want some more Chibnall news or do you want some Whittaker news? Um, I feel like Chibnall news will get more clicks. Okay, here he goes talking about how difficult it was to find a new showrunner. But it wasn't his job. Well, we'll get to this, Harry. <laughs> Chris Chibnall says it took. Longer than expected for him to leave Doctor Who, the baton has been passed back to Russell T. Davis. It will all be changed for Doctor Who in the coming months as Russell T. Davis has been named showrunner for Doctor Who's 60th anniversary in 2020-23 and beyond replacing current boss Chris Chib now. Chibnall will exit alongside the 13th Doctor Jodie Whittaker and whilst we wait to find out who will be cast as the next time lord, Chibnall has been chatting to press, including RadioTimes.com. Ahead of Series 13, as you'd expect, the subject of his departure came up. And it turns out he stuck around for longer than he fully would. Here's a quote from Chibnall. It's taken longer than expected, if we're being honest. I've been throwing batons at people for about a year now, and finally someone picks it up, Chibnall said on the search for his replacement. We've had that conversation right at the start, and I hope you can see that the atmosphere is so team-orientated and so positive. It's a proper family atmosphere. The casting crew are so close you wouldn't want to do it to other people because you wouldn't want to do it to other you wouldn't want to do it with other people just because it's been our own little discreet show. And then the next version will be its own discreet show, just as Peter Capaldi's era was and Matt Smith's era was and David Tennant's David Tennant's was. Uh, whilst the closet bell May sound on its t- may, may be sounding on his time in charge. Chibnall insists he has nothing but found, fond memories of his time in Doctor Who. 
think it's interesting though. It's taken a while to find a replacement. I, and, I, when, and also, when did Chibnall that, want to leave originally? I find it weird that Chibnall kind of describes it as him having to pass the baton. To, he's the one trying to throw that what it off. Like he said, he was throwing the baton to people. Like he was extending a hand to people. It's taken all expensive for being honest. I've been throwing batons at people for about a year. Yeah, he's been trying to pass it on to people, and people have been like. Nah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, that, why do you think that is? Why do you think, I guess just because it's like the same reason that some people turn down the role of the doctor. Like it's this huge institution and there's a lot of pressure yeah. weighing on you and it'll have a long-term, well, I say it will have a long-term impact on your career, but honestly, after Doctor Who, Russell kind of went back to continuing to develop the sort of work he developed before. Yeah. I also don't think it's a long time. It's not, it's not a show that, takes up a long, mm. a large amount of time, but it's an intense amount of time, I feel. Yeah, I feel like it becomes like a full commit. Like, it becomes like your year-round job. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, I know Moffat somehow managed to work Sherlock in on top of Doctor Who, but really Doctor Who is kind of like his full-time job for six yeah. years. I, I, I saw a quote from Neil Gaiman, which basically when they asked him if he was going to be Sherlock, he just says he doesn't have enough time to write an episode of Doctor Who, never mind. Yeah, because he's doing good omens, he's isn't doing he? The good, good old men, or whatever that show's called. Good old man. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's interesting that... Because, because originally, when they did that New York Comic Con panel, Shindor said it wasn't up to him to find the replacement. It originally had been part of the BBC Wales department, Doctor Who, I think, and now it's BBC Drama. I think so. It changed department, which I think basically meant that what the impression that was given to the public was that that meant it was no longer the job of the current showrunner to find a replacement. It was now the job of the BBC. Right. I wonder if it was Chibnall's job, but he couldn't find anybody, so that it was up to the BBC to therefore mm. find somebody. I wonder who Chibnall tried to pass it on to or offered it to. I imagine some of his former writers... Within, the series within his series, like yeah. people like Maxine Alderton, yeah, people like that. Mm. Um, maybe Pie in the Sky was like Neil Gaiman, mm. people like that. Um, I imagine him like just going into like production offices of Channel 4 and BBC and like throwing bands at people, <laughs> take it, yeah, check, oh, whatever. check for and catch. And Jack yeah. was like, he does arms by his side, yeah, <laughs> I'm not picking that up. I didn't want, I don't watch Doctor Who, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe Jack Thorne does watch Doctor Who. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how much people turning it down was because they just don't have an interest in the show. Because the three sharers we've had have all been lifelong fans of Doctor Who. Yeah. Russell, Moffat and Chibnall all grew up loving Doctor Who. Yeah. All think. But we know that Moffat has said he thinks it's the best show ever. Yeah. So I wonder if they maybe one reason they've had to pass it back to Russell is because nobody is qualified enough in that sense but then but then I'm you look sure at, there I was are gonna say, but, then you, but then you look at other show like other writers like Chris Fatigue or whatever his name is mm. who would have been a great show who wrote Kablam and you know there are people writing for Doctor Who now who, who are diehard fans and Mark Gaius would have probably not think twice about yeah. it yeah uh, so I think it's interesting that it took a while to find somebody and that it was actually up to the BBC to find a replacement rather than Chris. It's interesting, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a switch over at some point. Hmm. Um, do you want the last bit of news, which is Whitaker news? Yeah, totally. Uh, Doctor Who star Jodie Whitaker said it's right for her to leave. The show needs new energy. 
Dr. Star Julie Whitaker spoken in detail for the first time about why she's leaving the show. The 13th Doctor, the 13th Doctor actor, shared the news recently that she would be departing Doctor Who along with Curry uh, When Digital Spy and other media recently attended the series 13 press launch, Julie acknowledged that she's always had the idea in mind of doing three seasons as the Doctor. We've been present in it, uh, but you have to honour the show and honour everything, she said. There was this thing like, we want to do three seasons, but no one holds you to that. So there was always a conversation in terms of how long to stay. It was always fluid. But when you commit to that decision, I can't imagine it being written by someone else like this doctor is Chris's doctor for me. Oh, like, like this doctor is Chris's doctor. For me, it's right to go, but everyone comes up, but everyone comes up to you forever going, I'm a Doctor Who fan. And that's the absolute joy because it's such a pleasure. What up, computer geeks? It's Tim here, and I'm currently sat in the tech hub of Bigger on the Inside. The guys and gals who work down here want me to tell you how you can contact the show anytime. You can do it by Instagram and Twitter. Just follow us by searching for at Bigger on the Pod. If that's not good enough for you, how about sending us an email? BiggerontheInsidePod at gmail.com. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. And as usual, Jody says very lovely things. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, though, about the thing of. The f- it's now like a common thing to do three seasons because that kind of that's I like always it, been but I, that's been a thing since Charlton. Charlton's the one who said do three years but, and leave. But then you have like people like Tom Baker who does a bit more and Colin Baker who doesn't do as many and and those generally stuff like Tom and I just worry it's going to become the form too formula formulatic. You like yeah, but it's been that way since the Second Doctor. I feel like. If but it, you would have it, more, it, more stories and more episodes back then. It was just slightly a long... I feel classic Who seasons feel longer than they currently are. Mm. Although the amount of actual stories told within those are usually less yeah, because exactly. they're much longer stories. Yeah. But I feel like... I'm sure, didn't like Eccleston back in 2005 say that kind of like a series of Russell is pretty much the same length as did, did you? two series of classic Who. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just feel like... I feel if that's now going to be a rule, free and done, it takes away a lot of the excitement of a character's journey if you know you're only going to be with them for three years. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, I know in three years' time they're going to leave and we're going to get somebody else. Whereas I like the, oh, are they staying? Are they going? What's going to happen next? I quite like that. And I just feel like if you're going to do free and go, then it kind of limits the length of storytelling. You can I mean, the interesting thing for me, though, is that I mean, it doesn't like, fit, like, within New Who, at least, with the exception of Jodie and maybe Peter, it doesn't feel like any of the Doctors planned to stay for as long as they did. Well, Jodie did. They said they were going exactly, to... Exactly. Like, oh, sorry. That, like, with the exception of Jodie and Peter, none of them seemed to plan that out. Yeah. Like, um, like Chris, you know... Well, made a decision to leave series one in mid production, yeah, or near the end of production of the series. Like, David wasn't sure whether or not he'd stay for series five until yeah. pretty late on. Matt Smith, we know at some point had plans to do series eight, but then dropped out after Day of the Doctor, yeah. Like, I feel like because there's a lot of it that is still very much in the hands of those actors' decisions. Like, we know that, you know, um, Jenna Coleman 
as Clara decided to leave than stayed and leave, I'm sure at least twice. twice. Yeah. And I feel like even though it's just kind of by happenstance been three years, that's still something that's very much in the actor's hands and yeah. how they feel. And I feel like if an actor playing a character feels like it's time for them to go, that it's probably the right call rather than draw it out unnecessarily. Yeah. I just think the th- I don't want it to become the the, the same. Yeah, I think that's what I worry about with Doctor Who is it becomes very samey. And I feel like the three seasons thing could become quite samey. Hmm. Um, but is not in the same then, thing that, the, you know, that every three series, the show is going to go through a radical shift? I like that. But what I guess what I, there's two things that I would like is I don't want it to be the same. And I would really quite like to see an actor take on the role of the Doctor and see it through multiple showrunners. I would like to okay. see an incarnation of the Doctor Say, like, the 14th Doctor starts with Russell, and for whatever reason, Russell leaves, and then the 14th Doctor carries on with whoever becomes Russell's replacement. Mm. I would like to see how that would work. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I know. I, I, well, I guess there's this whole thing now with the showrunner concept that there seems to be a sort of... Well, it doesn't feel intended by a showrunners. There's this almost sense of ownership that certain Doctors belong to someone. Like, we you know... Like obviously, lots of people wrote for David Tennant's Doctor, and Stephen Moffat wrote for David Tennant's yeah, Doctor, yeah. even after Russell left. But when we think of the Tenth Doctor character, we think of the Tenth Doctor as being Russell's Doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, anything else, Harry? Uh, I don't know. Has Colin Baker had anything to say this week? Not this week. Oh. No shit. Sure. Oh. Because I told him. I said, Colin, you're taking up too much airtime on my podcast. Oh, I quite enjoyed the Colin airtime. Well, do you think we could get in touch with his agent and just get little 30-second video clips from Colin Baker? I'm sure we actually could. About what he's doing that week. I bet we could. I bet we could. Honestly, <laughs> we could. We could probably add in a little segment of a little cutaway. Like, I, I know I was... 30 listening... seconds of Colin's thoughts. I, I was listening the other week and I saw you edited in a little cutaway of you just reading a random comment. Yeah, there's, there, there would have been one this week. Was there? Yeah, I don't mm. know which one it's going to be. All the com- all those comments are real. Okay, <laughs> I, I I just I had no idea that you were editing those editing those things in. I tell you what, I am going to add in. I'm going to tell you one another little story that happened to me this week. Oh, you know, last week I told you about the madness tribute band that ran over a motorcycle. Yeah, um, it's Elton John next week. Elton John, young Elton John. Elton John tribute. Yeah, as opposed to Elton John <laughs> from the from the world. <laughs> Alan John from the past travelled forward through time. Yeah. Uh, this week, Harry, I had an exciting week. I had my, I think I mentioned it last week, I had my first TV job. Yes, he did. I, I got to be a boom up and assistant camera operator on Dickinson's Real Deal. Now, that's what I call a TV gig. Mm-hmm. I got, I got, I got to see the Duke, the Duke himself. And, He's a Duke? Well, that's what he calls himself, the Duke. I don't watch Dickinson's Real Deal. I don't either. I'm sorry. I watched an episode before, so I knew what show I was working on. Um, but I, I was chatting with the camera guy I was working with, a very nice guy called Cameron, and we were chatting about, because he works on the whole series, and we were talking about it, and I was asking him, like, what's some stuff that's happened? And uh, basically, he told me the story of, like, someone... You know, like, on, on these antiques programmes, what's the type of thing people bring in? Antiques. Mm. Mm. Someone brought in an Amazon Kindle boxed. I wanted to see how much they could get for it on Dickinson's Real Deal. 
I think it was a first generation one, so it was probably a collector's item. Yeah. I think my brother has a first generation iPad. Well, get him on, get him on Dickinson's real deal. Yeah. I also pitched an idea to um, some of the, the dealers on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, of Dickinson's real deal after dark. <laughs> What's that? Well, I noticed, right? Is I, that, that's not like them selling, like, you know, lewd objects. Okay. So I got talking to some of the, you have on-screen dealers who are the people who put the money on the table, and you have off-screen dealers who basically look at your items and give you an indication of how much it's worth before you go, to the you go, you go on telly, basically. And I was chatting with some of these off-screen dealers, and I was saying, like, how, how are you always so polite? Because some people are bringing rubbish in that is not worth... Well, not rubbish. Rubbish is in a money standards. Like, it's yeah. not worth anything. Like, I've got a mug on my table here, and it's not worth anything. But mm-hmm. say if that mug had been in my family for, like, five generations, it's worth something to the family, but it's not worth anything to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of people, like, having, like, their, like, crushing criticism as, like, their, like their, their face slowly dropped. But and then, but then you would sort of, like, hear people, like, on set and stuff, and some of the dealers talking going... Why did why did they think that that poster of David Bowie was going to be worth something? It's only ten years old. You know what I mean? Like some really bizarre stuff. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could do like a, a show where you're just honest with people about like uh, you know some of the stuff they brought in? And they said they they've wanted to do it before. They've pitched the idea to ITV before, but the ITV won't let them do it. And also, someone two years ago brought in a foot long metal penis. Onto Dickinson's real deal. Like as like a statue? Yeah, like a statue thing. There was how much it was. Well, obviously, they couldn't put it on the show. Oh. So I thought, like, an after dark Dickinson's real deal. Mm. I, mean, I just I don't know how much, how many people would bring stuff being that criteria. Well, apparently, they get a lot. Really, a lot of. Oh, I stuff. mean, you don't have to get a lot of lewd stuff, but if you were just honest with people, right. I think that would be quite funny. Yeah. Like someone bringing in their stamp collection, you just blow it all away. <laughs> Yeah, Dickinson's real deal un unleashed. Yeah, un, un, I can't think of a. I can't think of one. I was trying to think of one all day, but yeah, I I, I pitched it to three different people on the set, <laughs> and none of them were. Oh, they all said we want to do that show, but we're not allowed. Ah. so there you go. Yeah. I'd watch that. I'd watch Would it. Dickinson still be there. Oh yeah, it's Dickinson's real deal. Yeah, because. I got. To, I didn't get to work directly with David Dickinson, but I heard him all day because I could hear him through my headphones. And he's a very funny man, and he says some funny things that obviously you can't put on daytime TV. Mm. Um, so yeah. So you reckon like he built, he could carry that as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah, mm. definitely. I'll okay. tell you some stuff off there. But <laughs> so uh, if anyone at ITV is listening, uh, this give, is a show people want. Give Tim a bell. Oh. The people who actually work on the show full time. Well, yeah, but, you can... but I would like to be involved. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was a very, very fun day. Mm. How was your days? My days. I wasn't at Dickinson's real deal. I know, but just your days of the week. My how days... was? How? What was you doing on Saturday? I was well. No, was I? I went to pick up some suit trousers. Ah, what? Yeah. Why are you wearing a suit? Uh, my graduation. Oh, when's that? Uh, next month. Are we all invited? No, are you my family? No, I mean, like, we, me, the listeners. I think there might be a live stream. <gasps> Can I come and do the live stream to host it? I don't think they, I don't think they have a host. I think it's just a, a video feed. I would like to host it. 
I'd wear a big one inside t-shirt. No, no, literally just the footage is of the inside of like the a place. <laughs> where the building the ceremony takes place. Oh, dear me. Harry, would you like to introduce the watch along segment of the podcast? Yeah, because honestly, this uh, this segment's getting a bit dead, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the waters of Mars. No, it's, Tim, it's Planet of the Dead. Yeah. I was even able to do the transition. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut the up, up, up! Humans are better in one respect. You are better at subscribing. Seek, locate, subscribe. What's the point in having you? Oh, I am. Do I feel like I'm on a planet of dead people right now, Harry? Yeah, because we're we're watching Planet of the Dead. The Easter special. The Easter special. As we we know, because David Tennant offers an Easter egg. He does. Um, What episode are we doing, Harry? We just said The Planet of Dead by Russell T. Davis and Gareth Roberts. As always, when we do a Gareth Roberts episode, disclaimer, we know he's a douche, but we got to say it. But we do it every episode, and our OCD would go nuts if we didn't do it. Uh, Let's start at the start of the episode. London International Gallery is a cartoon like cat burglary. What did you think was going on? I mean, what did I think was going on? I, I thought that um, we were being introduced to this kind of femme fatale. Character. Do you think she went to London to go to Time Fracture but found out it was also cancelled? So she just went and robbed the gallery instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's my headcanon now. <laughs> Lady Christina wanted to go to Time Fracture, but. It was closed. Because of a bit of drizzle. <laughs> where, where is that building located? It's always... My understanding is that it's underground somewhere. Where underground? The Thames? The subway? I don't know. Um, my question for you, Harry, is um, Lady Christina, she takes the mask off while still at the scene of the crime. What's all that about? It's so we can get the reveal of her face and it's... Ooh, it's... it's Sexy Michelle woman. Ryan. It's Michelle Ryan from Corey and maybe mm. EastEnders or something. Um, uh, basically, Stephen Moffat like um, was passing the door while it was being written and said, "Ooh, what if what if the person stealing it was a sexy woman? Wouldn't yeah. that be funny?" Yeah. Um, why do? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, we just talk about the character of Lady Christina? Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm isn't. I, I really try to be positive on this podcast and look at things. And there are things I like in this episode. Lady Christina is not one of them. And I know there are fans of Lady Christina. I know it's not a bad finished. performance. I don't know if it works. But it's the character. Michelle Ryan is great. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if like she plays the part really well, but I just don't I don't like think the part. part. I think the problem is the part for me doesn't really fit within yeah. the world and the story like the other characters I mentioned on it all feels quite cohesive and part of Doctor Who but Lady Christina feels like you know this kind of femme fatale trope that's been lifted out of a different less inspired story and dropped into Doctor Who and it doesn't really fit despite the insistence that her and the Doctor make a great team yeah that's what I hate <laughs> and the, I, I don't understand the character I just don't care. Like, why doesn't she? I feel like they've written Doctor dialogue and given it to her. Like, there's that whole thing where she gets on the bus. And it's just like that lobster card thing. 
is like it's an oyster card. I'm like, that's something the tenth doctor would say. Like, and for little part, like she's a human. She's from Modern Earth. She's in London. She'll know what an oyster card is. I live in Hull and I know what an oyster card is. I know what an oyster card is, yeah. Yeah. So I don't get it. I yeah. And I just the character doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel it just feels out of place. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to make that the whole focus of the episode. No, I just but... need to get that off my chest. And I know there are fans of Lady Christina. I know like that she's done Big Finish and maybe Big Finish has done Wonders. But I, I don't know. Like Of all the characters to give a spaceship to go off on adventures, like, <laughs> why Lady Christina? Can I just say, one of my biggest red flags in Doctor Who fans is when they say, yes, but Blank was great on audio. That's not fucking good. Should have been good the first time. I mean, I, I I have to agree that like I'm not incentivized to go seek out further stuff if I wasn't too fond of their first introduction. I'd rather characters I really liked be given expansions initially. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't expand upon a character and be done really well. Like me, I've not listen to anything with the Doctor's Daughter or Lady Christina in Big Finish. But but the um, Doctor's Daughter, Jenny, had a good episode. That was a good character that you were involved I feel like there was more... Nobody after on this the, episode. I feel like there was more going on with Jenny and more potential for expansion with kind of what that character was than Lady Christina. Does, does the Lady Christina Big Finish stuff, do you think that... I can have a look in a minute. But do you think that follows her adventures after this? I think so, because I'm pretty sure I've seen covered as, and it always is like, you know, the flying red bus is there. They bat to the future the shit out of that bus, don't they, at the end? Mm. Just goes off and flies away. Yeah. Um, the doc, Like you said, the doctor says Happy Easter. That's nice. I like his introduction. You see his feet, you see his shoes. Yeah. Walking under the bus and you see him getting on the... Uh, yeah. On the bus and he says, ah, Happy Easter! And then it's the introduction... Um, I also like the fact that he quotes the Beach Boys when he says, we've got excitations. <laughs> There's a lot of um, good David Tennant Doctor lines in this. A lot of the... Yeah, like, he's, he's having just a lot. Having fun. Yeah, it's a very fun story. And it's nice as a light story. Like, only one person really dies. The bus driver. Yeah. So it's just kind of a nice, you know, it's a fun Easter Sunday bit of telly where the Doctor goes on an adventure and saves some people. Yeah, there's also a really good cast in this mm. of people who would definitely, you know, become household names. Daniel Kalule from Get Out. Oh yes, he's there, and um, Adam James from I May Destroy You. He's there as well. He's like he plays the police officer trying to track down Lady Christina. Mm. Um, you know, Michelle Ryan as well, who just come from Merlin. Um, yeah, there's a really good cast of people. Mm. What did you think about this ensemble cast? I, I think thought it works really well. Yeah, I thought it was a good ensemble. Yeah. Obviously, you've already said Christine's an outlier, but I like everyone else. And I like kind of the theme they kind of have going in it of kind of like everyone is important and everyone is worth something. Yeah. Especially, I really like the bit where they're all worrying and panicking. And Dave is like, when you're going home, where, like, where are you yes. going on this bus? Why are you here? All of that matters. All that's equally valid and important. I'm going to get you back home and get you to do that. Yeah. And it is a genuine team effort and they're all needed to get it home. And I think that's a really nice, uplifting message. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think I've got a note about that somewhere. Um, that I really like how he goes out of his way to relate to every single person mm. on the bus. Mm. Like with um, Daniel's character, like when he finds out that he's trying, he's chatting up this lady back home called Tish or Trish or whatever. He's like, oh, good man. <laughs> it's like, something goes from like this alien to this lad 
to this guy who wants to go to this person, this couple's house to have chops yeah. and gravy. And, you know, it's yeah. great. And that really is one of the best qualities of the 10th Doctor, that he is able to relate to people on a humanistic level that some Doctors don't do. And that's part of their character. Like Matt Smith, the he's Doctor, an alien, isn't he? Yeah, he's very much an alien, whereas the 10th Doctor is a man of the people. Yeah. And that's really endearing in situations like this. I'm sorry, I've got to go back to Lady Christina. I just remembered a bit, that where I decided this character was annoying me. And it's when she does the speech on the bus, where she stands at the front of the bus and basically 10th Doctor's the 10th Doctor, where she's sort of like, so we need a leader. And then the 10th Doctor stands up and she's like, no, I'm the leader. And she stands up at the front of the bus and she's sort of like, with her hands behind her back, being all cocky and sort of... Do, do you remember the scene? Yeah, I remember the scene. Yeah. yeah. And it just... It didn't work for me. Maybe it's one of those things, because it's happened to me before where, you know, it happened with the girl in the fireplace where just the whole story didn't click with me in a way it was. And maybe here is just this character. Something about Lady Christina just does not click with me. Have you heard about the smashed up bus story? What's that? So um, obviously the bus is all smashed up. Hmm. Yeah, it's not meant to be. Oh. It was originally... So I think it was in Dubai where they filmed this episode. Yeah. And so they put a London bus on a ferry, on like a cargo ship, ships it off to Dubai. But um, when it was being taken off, one of the um, cargo, what do you call them, containers, yeah, uh, smashed into the side of the bus and basically wrecked it. Oh, so they then had to rewrite this, rewrite the rewrite it that you know it's obviously been damaged. But then at the same time, they were filming with a lot of the crew and cast back in Cardiff with another bus. Which is fine. They then had to damage that bus to make it look like it was originally meant to be damaged. Right. But I think it works because it looks quite good all smashed up. Yeah, it looks cool. And then, like, this flying smashed up bus. Because obviously the CGI render of the bus would then also need to be smashed up. Yeah, I didn't think of that, yeah. Hmm. Uh, What do you think to the sand planet? It's a desert planet. Yeah, cool. It even has two states. It has, like, multiple suns. Yeah, it did, didn't it? I didn't pick up on that, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, we've pushed over the, the lady who can hear voices in her head. Oh, yeah. She's we'll save her till the end, because she's kind of important. I yeah, guess. she is. Uh, this is Doctor Who's 200th story. Really? <whistles> yeah, that's why it says 200 on the bus, little Easter oh, egg. Is that including classic? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, this is actually episode, what do you call it, 55. Of New Who. I think so, yeah. Yeah. By the time Series 4 wraps, it was 55 episodes. So this is either episode 55, depending on how you how they count Christmas specials and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the Doctor has a line where he says, human on buses always blaming me. That's obviously a mid- reference to Midnight, right? But that was a train? Well, this is what I don't know, because I wrote it down, so I thought oh, that's a reference to something. But I, I couldn't thought, work out what I it was I thought it was a reference to Midnight, but I, I'm, that was a... I can't remember if Midnight was a bus or a train or... I think it was a train, yeah. Yeah. Let me have... Because there's two train drivers hmm. at the front. Let me yeah. Have I'm going to Google 10... The only thing I can bus. think is it being a reference to Midnight, which yeah. makes sense seeing as Russell wrote this episode, but... Doctor Who bus. It's all just Planet of the Dead stuff. Well, there's a TARDIS wiki fear for bus conductor, the greatest show in the galaxy. <laughs> Is this a classic episode? Yeah. Um, shall I show you a picture of the bus conductor? 
looks like that, a kebab man. It looks like, like a prototype kebab man, yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the bus driver dies, we mentioned it. Yeah. Quite a cool death when he mm. comes through the other side. Yeah, that's how I want to go. <laughs> Walking through a four-mile portal. Yeah, I want to go through, like, a, what do they call it, a warp gate hole. Is that what they called it? I can't remember. Harry, this was the first episode of Doctor Who, so it'll be um, shot in HD. Oh, I didn't notice. I've always got a note here about how I love how Dr. Carter is. What else did you love about this episode, Harry? Uh, I actually quite like the uh, unit stuff. Yes, should we talk about unit? Yeah. Uh, probably something I always forget about this episode is Lee Evans as Malcolm. Mm. What an underrated character. Yeah, that is. he's really fun. Yeah, he's he great. kind of has like his own kind of little arc of the thing where he starts off idolizing the doctor. I mean, he always idolizes the doctor the whole thing, but he kind of grows in He's a fanboy, isn't he? Yeah, but then it gets to a point where he kind of like, he grows in confidence of his own abilities and t- rises to responsibility. And he's also a gumbo. Mm. Yeah. And he's also a very, it's also a very funny performance. Yeah. I also like the bit where Malcolm's like, I've read all your files. And Doctor's like, oh yeah, which is your favourite? He's like, mm. wait, no. <laughs> yeah, like, loves these little, little, like, little fandoms. Like, yeah, around. the Doctor likes stroking his own ego. He does, bit. doesn't he? Yeah. Um, what did you think to the flies? The flies? As in, like, the stingray thing? The human flies. The people with the giant fly heads. Oh, those. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, decent design. I mean, I think, like a lot of things in this episode, there's nothing you haven't seen I before. think it's really annoying that they don't speak. Yeah. Because the TARDIS isn't there, it's not translated. Yeah, and there's a whole thing that the, the line of the Doctor understands every language, which I think... What's the point of him having the TARDIS translator? Well, the thing is, I don't think people who are like huge continuity buffs are going to hate that line. Yeah. Because there will be times where surely he's met aliens and not know what was going on. Yeah. But I also hate the don't speak because it's just like the doctor going, oh, so you're saying this. Oh, okay. So that means I must do this. There's a lot of. Mm. Have you ever been to Disneyland Paris? No, I have not. Okay. If you go see the firework display from when I last was there about 10 years ago. On one side, they have Wendy. The other side, they have Peter Pan. Yeah. Wendy speaks French. Peter Pan speaks English. Wendy says something in French. Peter Pan goes, oh, that's a great idea, Wendy. I totally should fly above the castle and do this cool stunt. And then he does it. Why Why is Peter the English-speaking one and Wendy the French one? Even when, though she when, lives in England. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> like, Neverland. People could speak any language in Neverland, but Wendy is from London, England. Yeah, I don't know. Taking it with Walt. Ring, ring. Hello, Walter Disney. Yes, I I take issue with your fireworks show at Disneyland Paris that I've never seen from five years ago. Do you know what else I hate in this episode? Yeah. It's a bit where that woman, the female character, something Whitaker. This is Whitaker. Oh, right? yes. Huh? When, she gets, when she's about to start the bus, and she goes, hold tight, ding, ding. <laughs> And she did it. I was like, "Why she said that? You know what? Making nobody else is making jokes. She was a wreck a minute ago, and now she's like, oh, 'Oh, I'm going to drive a bus.' Oh, it's Easter Sunday. This episode does nothing for women drivers because she also uses all the petrol up whilst it's stationary. They insist it's not her fault, but it totally is. Are you blaming her? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you? If I was there, we go nuts. Yeah, probably. I don't know. You're an idiot. Of course you're going to use up all the petrol. It's not moving, Div. 
Now we're stuck here. We're fucked. All right, Tim, we won't actually do that. That's <laughs> just how much I've loved this episode. How immersive I got. Jeez. Oh, um, let's talk. Let's go back to unit. I like the fact that in the in this RTD era, the unit are the same crew who come back every time. Mm. We saw Magumbo in. I love that name, <laughs> Magumbo. We saw her in Ten Left, mm. and now she's back in this episode yeah. as well. How do you feel about the fact that when we get to the Moffat era, it's again a consistent unit team, but it's a completely different unit team? I suppose it do you wish that they'd carried the same unit team over? I suppose it makes sense in some regards because they would evolve. Mm. But I feel like it's almost like a completely different thing. Like Kate Stewart comes out of nowhere, Osgood comes out of nowhere. That said, in day, the Doctor Malcolm gets a name drop. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. So he's still there. Um, so there's little things like that. But yeah, I feel like McGumbo. That's like a key character that not everybody does the name, but people recognise her. Yeah, totally. So why not carry her over and kill her? Killer. Yeah, I feel like you could have done that. Would have been a cool way of sort yeah, of yeah, someone throwing Cuba in Power Three. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah, because yeah, because that's when Kate was introduced, isn't it? Yeah, mm. um, I like the bit where the doctor's held up by an answering machine, mm. where it's like hold one. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, so that's the thing of like she needs one of those regular people who know how phones work to get them through. Yep, <laughs> if that hadn't happened, they would have died. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the, the flies die, don't they? The fly people they get crushed. Oh, yeah, one gets eaten and another one gets crushed. Oh yeah, but no humans die, so it's okay. Apart from the bus driver, you saying bus drivers aren't people? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't trust them. What are they? What are they hiding under their bus driving caps? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm fine. I, I find, remember the whole thing like a few years ago where like thanking the bus driver became like a big fad. Well, we've got a friend who is a bus driver. Oh yeah. Um, I've never ridden on his bus. And he he will often just say, thanks, driver, <laughs> because apparently that's what people say to him. Here's a story. Um, I won't say his name, but it's he, nothing horrible about him. It's a Christmas. Uh, we've been Christmas just gone, like peak COVID time. Someone comes up to him. She's wearing a face mask. He's wearing his face mask. They go, here you go. Merry Christmas. I put a Mr. Kipling slice on, on the thing, on like his ticket Aww. thing. But it's unboxed. <laughs> it's just It's just a piece of cake. It's not in a wrapper. It's just a, 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 a slab of cake. Right. Bit weird, isn't it? How do you... Do you take that? I, don't I think know. he said thank you and just put it to a side and then maybe mm. fed it to a pigeon or something, I imagine. Yeah. Um, do you, I've noticed that the Gareth Roberts episodes we're getting, since Shakespeare's Code was good, but they seem to be getting worse. Unicorn and the Wasp wasn't very good. This one isn't very good. James Corden's in the next ones. And then there's the one that I don't really remember called The Caretaker. The, the Care... I remember The Caretaker. What do you think's going on here? Do you think he's just declining in writing? Or has other writers' work started to su- surpass him? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to... Make it to Gareth Roberts. Of course, no, 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 of course not. I'm just talking reasons. about the writing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like Shakespeare Code was kind of using a tr- tried and tested formula and there's a lot to bank on with William Shakespeare. Twice, yeah. Um, Agatha Christie does slightly less to draw from compared to William Shakespeare. This, I feel like, this, the, the issue I have, main issues I had with this is the same issues I have with other stories that we talk about, such as 
42 where there's a lot of ideas in here that you know are fine and try to and work but i've seen it done before and seen it done better yeah yeah like even even the title is kind of an amalgam of impossible planets and forest of the dead you know what i'm saying yeah I do, it's yeah. it kind of outside of you know the image of the flying bus there's not a great deal to make this episode stand up in, up yeah. in its own right well, that and I guess Lady Christina, which you've already said, we yeah. aren't a huge fan of. I like the, the joke where the guy comes up, where the doctor's like, we need gold. And then Daniel's kind of because with that really crap watch, like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, it's gold. Yeah. I also had a one where it's like, you're under arrest. Yeah, I'll uh, just get into this police well, box and arrest myself. myself. Yeah. Uh, I do like the bit where they get back to Earth and the doctor makes sure that everybody's okay. Mm. Like, he even says to Magumbo, he says, those two lads over there, the ones one needs a job and one's just lost his job, they'd be quite handy. Yeah, they're good in a crisis. It's cool to see them again. I'll just yeah. name drop them. Yeah, them. They should have got the bus. <laughs> yeah, they should have really. Imagine if you see this, that's run into the bus and the door's closed in there and it's like, sorry, we've got adventures to have. <laughs> Why does the doctor let a criminal go free? Um, because she kissed him. Oh, okay. Um, let's talk about the lady who can hear the voices. I got somewhat excited and emotional because it had been a while in Doctor Who, well, since I heard anybody say, um, your song is ending now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that line ran through my childhood like a cold dagger mm. with the, knowing what was coming and knowing what it meant, but also hoping it was it Russell meaning something else. Even though we knew at this point. Yeah. I'm sure we... Well, no, we definitely knew. We definitely that David knew. was really Because he said that when Doctor Who returns, it's going to be without mm. me. We're going to do a series of specials. So. Yeah. yeah. And like, you get we get that really cool, just dramatic beat of like, the zoom in on David's face. Yeah. And then you get the cool next time trailer. Did you see that? Yes. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm really looking forward to doing Waters of Mars, I right. say, in our episode about... <laughs> a different episode. So, um, out of I'm bringing it back, why don't you just die or absolutely fantastic from a series one hour ranking list? Where are you putting um, Planet of the Dead? Um, I'm going to put it in. I'm just trying to think of a good Chris Eccleston quote. Um, it's, I think it's just above. Just above. Why, why what you just done? Uh, what would that be? Would that be for you another stupid eight? Yeah, probably, yeah. That'd be quite good, that one, yeah. All right, that's for you. Quiz time, Harry! You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Oh, heck. <laughs> Nobody saw that. Harry did the most half-assed reaction ever. Basically lifted his arm up and leant back a little bit. Oh, heck. (laughs) Um, uh, Why won't the doctor eat the rest of his uh, Easter egg? Uh, Sugar, his teeth. Yes, he wants to keep his teeth on. Tickety tick tick. He doesn't have much longer now. Uh, What's the emergency code for units? Um, (laughs) You can imagine Lady Christina said that. Are you going to die soon, sweet as egg? (laughs) Dick. What's the question? What's unit's emergency code? Is that different from the code red? Yeah, you see the guy who goes, we need unit. Da, 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 da. Um, what does he say over the da 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 da, da? Um, what's, in, what's the code for unit? You say, shit, we need unit, bro. Emergency code one. Oh. 
Uh, what's the name of the pizza place that Dr. Cole's? Oh, Pizza Geronimo. Is that, do you think that's a reference to Matt Smith? Do you think they knew? Do you think? I've maybe, it, will, it will have been I right. feel, Yeah, I feel like Russell will have seen the script that... Because we know that kind of Moffat was in pre-production for Series 5, so probably would have already written Matt's Regeneration. Yeah. So I think that probably was a direct reference, yeah. I've already said this. What are the lovely couple at the back of the bus going to have for tea when they get home that night? Chops and gravy. Hooray! Three out of four worlds of the Harry on an episode in particular I did quite well. I watched it this morning. Oh, congratulations. Do you want to recommend some shizzle? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a really, really obscure show. I don't think you'll have heard of it. Is it Succession? No, it's Squid Game. Oh, God's sake. Go on. Have you not seen Squid Game? No. Honestly, it lives up to the hype. Because actually, are you watching the dubbed version or subtitled version? I've subtitled. Good boy. And make sure it's not closed captions. Regular English, not English closed captions. Okay, what's the difference? Um, closed captions uses the dialogue from the dub, whereas, the oh, reg- okay. whereas regular English is closer to what they're actually saying in Korean. It's not exact. Maybe so. you shouldn't be so ignorant just learn Korean. I I'm sorry, Tim. That is my bad. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on. But no, like, I'll admit, I was sceptical when I heard about this show. Like, oh, biggest show ever on Netflix. Because I'm always sceptical about things that go big because I'm edgy. Um, And full of myself. But no, it absolutely lives up to the hype. It's really, really good. If you haven't got on it, just as a matter of some kind of like, ooh, I don't watch popular things, (laughs) watch it. It's good. It's really good. It's really... It's... What puts me off stuff like this, and it's the same with The Boys on Amazon, Yeah, is people telling me to watch it. I hate it. You hate people who tell you to watch things. Yeah. Right. Which is ironic for... Tim, don't fucking watch Squid Game, for the love of God. <laughs> it's like Har- anything but Squid Game. I've known Harrison, this is, I've known Harrison for two years, and over the last few years, I've done nothing but try to convince me to watch The Boys. Oh. And... That's now annoying me so much that I know I won't like it. Okay, I won't hollow you a squid game. I'll say I really, really liked it. My The rest of my family really liked it. Like, everyone I know who's watched Squid Game really likes it. The only thing that I would like to watch is Succession. Yeah. Because I've it's not one of those things that's always in the papers or mm. online and it's not pushed a lot, but from what I've heard in casual conversation, it's a fantastic show. Thank you, and man. it's written by people I really like. Yeah, it's written by the um, peep show guy. I'm not sick, but I'm not well, and I'm so hot, cause I'm in hell. You know what really disappoints me? Harvey Danger is on Spotify, but Flagpole Sitter isn't. Is it not? It is. No, not the the original. The original Flagpole Sitter by Harvey Danger isn't on Spotify. Are you sure? Yes, because I tried to add it to my playlist and I can't find it. There's covers, but the covers just don't do it. Vincey Sunlight, yeah. Oh, no, here it is. Harvey Danger, Five Ball Sitter. Is it definitely Harvey Danger? That's Harvey. As soon as I get home. <laughs> as soon as I get Oh, wait, can we get like, a copyright strike or something? No, nah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, we don't make money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, as soon as I get home, I'm putting that on my playlist. There you go. I'm gonna record. Is that anything else you want to say about um, Squid Games? Um, you've probably heard plenty about it already. And also, if you've somehow, by some miracle, avoided spoilers, I'm lucky enough that I did do because there's some cool twists and also, you know, who survives and who doesn't and all that. I was gonna watch Merlin, but that got spoiled for me yesterday. Really? Yeah. 
Just that isn't like the, the very end. Yeah. The very end has nothing to do with the rest of the show. Yeah, I know. I saw me watching the full thing going, oh, I know what happens to this character. Uh, so you can recommend instead. You can recommend that Steven Merchant show? Yes. The Outlaws. I think that's what... Yeah, The Outlaws. Yeah, I thought it was called The Outlanders, but that's something else. Steven Merchant, the, the other half to Ricky Gervais's comedy duo behind the masterpieces, the masterminds behind... Such pretty shows as Extras, The Office, and the award-winning Ricky Gervais podcast. All right, Scream Rant. <laughs> um, Steve's got his own show uh, called The Outlaws. It's on BBC One, Mondays, 9 o'clock. It's an hour long, which is great, because I think the BBC advertised it as a comedy. And I looked on Twitter, and it was a it was 50-50 split. On people saying this show is not funny, but it's I don't I think they were led on by the promotional material, mm. where it's a, it's an hour long as opposed to a half hour sitcom. It's an hour long comedy drama, mm. and it's got Christopher walking, walking in it. Walking thing. Oh, are we bringing out the uh, generic Christopher walking impersonations? Did you notice how he was too sick earlier on to do his Ringo star? Fucking. As soon as Christopher Walken comes on, he'll do that. Christopher Walken and Ringo Starr. I have to actually think to do Ringo Starr. Do Ringo Starr, do Christopher Walken. Okay, I can't get in my Ringo. (laughs) Thomas was huffing and puffing down the track. (laughs) Hello, it's me, Christopher Walken. Do Christopher Walken doing the narration for Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas was huffing and puffing down the track. He was causing much confusion and delight. <laughs> this is the only thing I've ever seen him in. The first thing I've, early, I've seen him in. Really? Yeah, I've seen people do impressions of him. And then when I heard him speak, I was like, holy shit, that's actually, it's incredible that that's... The thing that's I his... love about Christopher Walken is the way he speaks is, it to us, it is such kind of an unfamiliar and perhaps could come across as a natural thing. But something about the way Christopher Walken acts is so captivating. Yeah. Like he has a real presence. And when he speaks, you are listening to him and listening to what he's saying. It isn't just a weird curiosity like someone like, say, Tommy Wiseau from yeah. The Room is. Like Christopher Walken, he's a really good actor still. Yeah. Um, and he's great in this. And everyone's great. There's a great ensemble cast of pretty much sort of unknowns, really. Um yeah, who the hell is Stephen Merchant? But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I know. Like, yeah. Uh, and Steve doesn't really, he's not a big player in it. He's not the main character. There is, you know, the main characters are two young people in the show. I mean, Steve's brilliant in it. But if I had one criticism, I would maybe say episode two is a better introduction to the show than episode one. Okay. You Episode two builds on some of the backstories of episode one. And I don't necessarily think you would need to see episode one to see episode two. Episode one and two are now available on BBC iPlay, but I, I imagine that next week they will show episode two on the telly. Mm. Monday's 9 o'clock BBC. It's really good. And I really like Steve Mencher. I think he's a really good writer. And it's also directed by him as well. All oh, right. Have you seen Fighting with My Dwayne Johnson? Fighting with My Family? Yes. No, I haven't. Have you, uh, have you heard uh, The Rock's new rap song? It's quite good. He's the... The thing is, my problem with it, it is sounds that like a, an outtake from Moana or whatever it's called. Moana. Moana. Yeah. Here's, here's the point thing. The song is about, I say, three minutes long. The first, like, two and a bit minutes 
are different guest rappers. Dwayne Johnson only raps the final verse. Well, do you remember when Idris Elba had that song out, didn't he, not that long ago? I didn't hear that. I knew about that. And that was quite similar, when it's other people, then he sort of does a bit on it. Yeah. I think maybe that's a good way to yeah. start. But the thing is, but then it says, the, the song is like, it says it's The Rock. Like, he's the, he's the, creator's the main yeah, person. Yeah, but that's just to sell it, isn't it? I guess. The thing I find is very interesting, because him rapping is basically his wrestling, it's, his, isn't it? his yeah. wrestling, like, smack talk, with a beat behind it. Yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it's basically kind of like it doesn't flow. Yeah. But sometimes it really does. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, it shows promise. Um, I'd listen to more. Shall I have a quick look on the internet to see if we've missed any Doctor Who news before we uh, wrap this one up? Okay. No, they've just done a tweet. Oh. Doctor Who Flux Cancel. <gasps> oh, I hate it when they do these. Just little graphics, little fun graphics that don't mean. Don't mean anything really. They gotta keep that presence. Yeah, let me just have a quick look on BBC News Entertainment and Arts, see what's going on there. Happy Valley, Happy Valley to, re- to return for a third and final season. I don't ever remember it returning after its first series. Happy Valley, is yeah. that one with Sarah Lancashire? That one. Yeah, yeah, but, um, that people, my mum and brother love that. I've not watched it, but they love it. Uh, let's have a look, see what's going on with comicbookmovie.com. Anything at all? Spider-Man No Way Home might not feature all the Sinister Six after all possible spoilers. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness Star. Benedict Cumberbatch confers another round of reshoots. Oh dear. That's not as... I don't all films have reshoots. <laughs> they do. So I, I hate it when people like Josh Wielding from Comic Book Movie News slate stuff like that. Try calling out, guys. You know what else had reshoots? Um, uh, Deathly Hallows. Remember what atrocity that was? No, no one. Because I remember then it being in the news that the Deathly Hallows had reshoots. Jodie Whittaker considered going back on her Doctor Who exit plan. (gasps) Come back next week. I'm I'm guessing that's a deceptive title. Uh, So, uh, bye, everybody. Bye. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.